When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Coming up later in the pod, we will have Lance Reisland. He's going to give us his top five free agents and then some honorable mentions. Uh, we're going to get into free agency, too, before that. But let's start here. Bubba Ventrone, we had a chance to talk to him today, uh, an introductory press conference, an introductory Zoom call, I guess, with Bubba Ventrone. So let's get into kind of what we heard from him. Mary Kay, what stood out to you hearing from Bubba today? Well, one of the things that I really wanted to know and sort of explore with him is, you know, what are his, his thoughts on Cade York? What are his plans for Cade York? He's very, very high on Cade. Uh, he had him ranked number one. He scouted him coming out of LSU. Really liked him a lot. Cannot wait to coach him. And I think if he has the same impact on Cade as he had on Chase McLaughlin after he left here, uh, then I think that, you know, Cade will be, as I just wrote, kicking pretty. Now that's going to get changed in my story probably within the next hour, but what the heck? I threw it in there anyways. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, I think he'll have a pretty good impact on Cade York. I think he understands special teams as well as any special teams coach in the NFL. And I think Cade's going to like him. I think he's going to like his energy and I think he's going to be really, really good for the Browns second year kicker. Yeah, Ashley, I think that was maybe the most interesting thing is him just coming out and saying, this is the guy that I thought was the best kicker in the draft last year. And now I get to coach him. So that was a pretty ringing endorsement. Yeah, and I think especially given some of the problems that Cade had this year, and I think he's also like really well suited. And we asked him about this to coach a guy who is this perfectionist, given all the other people he's been with throughout his career, both as a coach and playing. Of course, we know about his relationship with Phil Dawson here in Cleveland and that connection that I think could benefit Cade a little bit more. But he just seems really like to be the right guy to help Cade work on the things that Cade has said he has to work on, especially like with moving on after a missed kick and not getting so caught up in the fundamentals that you're not trusting your process. So I do think that was definitely something everyone was probably interested to hear about with him and to hear that Cade was the number one guy that he had when he was going through that draft process, I think is encouraging if people were starting to question like, oh, is this the guy who can get it done in terms of being able to kick in Cleveland? Okay, so Ashley, what kind of stood out to you listening to, to Bubba? Yeah, I think for me, it's just overall like his energy. And I know like I didn't get to cover him when he was a player, but I know, Dan, I think you were the one that asked him about what makes a good special teams player. And he kind of gave this, I'm trying to find it right now in our transcript here um, about being aggressive, tough, smart, disciplined. I mean, you talked for a few minutes just kind of outlining all of those traits. And I do think like that unit has been missing some fire over all these last few years and obviously doing simple things right. And he just strikes me as a guy from everything we know about his career, from where those special teams units ranked when he was in Indianapolis, 
um, that he he can kind of make an impact in that way. And I do think like we talk about special teams coordinators typically having that kind of fiery personality. And I think that's to me what jumped out from behind the computer screen. Yeah, Mary Kay. I mean, this is a guy who has been a special teamer. That was how he made his made his living in the NFL and then immediately jumped into special teams coach. It feels like this is sort of a rare path to uh, to where he is right now. Um, but, you know, you can tell that he definitely has like the know how the, the passion to kind of do this and, and do it really well. Yeah. And the thing that I really did like about him, too, and Ashley uh, mentioned this as well, is that he is. Uh, just going to rep and drill those fundamentals. I mean, that is what is so vitally important and what has been wrong with these special teams, these Cleveland Browns special teams over the last four years or so. They just haven't had the little things down, you know? I mean, just every time you look out there, something was going wrong with not recovering an onside kick or getting a kick blocked or, you know, missing a kick or, you know, not, or giving up a long return or something or getting penalties, right? So, you know, they really are going to, uh, you know, rep it over and over and over and, and really have all that down. That's how you become a good special teams unit is by paying attention to detail. And I'm sure one of the places or two of the places he learned that uh, were from Brad Seeley, the Brown, former Browns, excellent special teams coach, and Bill Belichick. I mean, Bill Belichick is so big on fundamentals uh, that that's what you're going to see here. He's very heavily, heavily influenced by those two guys. And I just think you're going to see a real clean operation. And then I, I guess for me is, you know, this isn't, this is something we knew, obviously, but, um, you know, this is a guy that wants to, to be a head coach someday and it's it just feels to me Mary Kay like he kind of knows he, he's got those traits right this is a guy that has those those coach traits and I think we're going to see that as this season unfolds is um, you know there haven't been a ton of special teams coaches that have made it to the head coach position obviously John Harbaugh is is the most prominent of, of those groups, Bill Belichick does have a history with special teams, but obviously he, he was a defensive coordinator as well. But it feels like Bubba kind of knows what it takes and kind of knows the path he has to follow to get there. And he's got the traits to be a successful head coach. I think we're going to see that as, as this season plays out. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, one of the reasons why he took this job and, and why they were able to get him uh, is because he became uh, the assistant head coach. And I, I think that's vitally important, even though, you know, a lot of times that's just in name only and it really doesn't mean anything. It gets you here. Uh, it probably gets you some more money. Uh, but I think it is also going to give him an opportunity to put himself out there a little bit as a, um, you know, as a head coach candidate. And like you said, he might be one of those guys like a John Harbaugh. Uh, that does make it into the head chair from the special teams coordinator position. So I do think that, you know, that's going to be really good for him. And um, I hope that Kevin lets him have some of those responsibilities. I hope that he uh, gives him some things that, uh, you know, that teach him what he's going to need to do uh, to get some of those interviews. He had one interview already in Indy for that job. Um, but you know, now, um, you know, let's see what, what Kevin can give him to do that sort of accelerates that plan a little bit. 
And and Ashley, I think Kevin values that position. Um, you know, there could have been other reasons for this, but when he in the games he missed against Pittsburgh and then against the Raiders, he chose Mike Prefer to to be his acting head coach. You know, the special teams coach, and these are guys that just know the bottom of the roster. Uh, they they really they really know the whole roster. They know it really well because they coach all these guys. Uh, it seems like Kevin really values this position. Yeah, I was going to bring up the fact that Mike Prefer was his stand-in coach those couple of games he had to miss in 2020 and 2021. So I definitely think it's important, and I definitely think like it's a group that Kevin knows they needed to get a spark from. And they're they're you know when this guy became available, or it kind of became clear that they were at least going to have a chance to get him. I think we kind of saw that they they jumped ship from Mike Prefer over to Bubba Ventrone pretty quickly once Bubba Ventrone was done interviewing for that head that head coaching job with the Colts that he ended up not getting. So I think it says a lot that they did that assistant head coach title, like you guys were saying, to to get him here and to help give him that extra set of responsibilities in theory, that extra title. Um, and I think it's, it's a really important part of this team that they know they haven't gotten much production from, you know, with their kick returns, punt returns over the last handful of years. Of course, kicker was an issue that they hope they've solved now with Cade York, um, but he still needs some work. So I think overall you need a guy who kind of has that type of personality, this skill set to kind of turn everything around. All right, let's hit on free agency here. Uh, obviously, we're hitting we're heading into a weekend where, you know, obviously the the tampering period doesn't start till Monday. But we remember last year the Browns agreed to a trade. That's Saturday before free agency. The Jets have already agreed to a trade uh, with the Ravens earlier here on Thursday as we're recording this. So th- these things are starting to happen. We're all kind of on Aaron Rodgers' watch uh, as well to see what decision he makes. So. Uh, things are going to start happening. So I'm curious from each of you, and Mary Kay, we'll start with you. Who's the guy, who's the free agent that you really would like the Browns to uh, to land here over the next week? Well, you know, I really don't know. I can't honestly say that I think this is the one that they are going to land. Uh, but my number one choice for them would be Javon Hargrave of the Eagles. I think he has everything that they could possibly want in a defensive tackle. He had 11 sacks last year. uh, And I think he had something like seven and a half the year before that with the Eagles. He's really established himself as a pass rusher uh, from that interior spot. And um, you know, that would really help miles out a lot. If you could have somebody that was getting that push up the middle, but he can also stop the run. And I think that's really important too. He's big, uh, you know, he, he's got a lot of really good size in there to, you know, to take on some double teams. And then um, one of the things that I think is vitally important is the fact that he can carry the banner for Jim Schwartz. I remember when Bill Belichick took over here uh, in Cleveland in 1991, uh, he brought in at some point, he brought in two of his guys that that had played for him before in Pepper Johnson and Carl Banks. And those guys were his enforcers. They helped him implement his plan, his way of doing things. And I think that somebody like a Javon Hargrave could do that for Jim Schwartz. I think it would accelerate the culture change that needs to happen on defense. I mean, we can all agree, I think, that they need a a cultural overhaul on that side of the ball. It needs to change. And I think that would be one of the ways to do it. 
when I talked to him at during Super Bowl week, I talked to a number of guys that loved playing for Jim Schwartz. Um, but I'm telling you, Javon Hargrave like lit up when I brought up Jim Schwartz. A number of them they did, and it was pretty genuine. But he was one that did, and you know he talked about how you know if you're going to uh, you know if you're going to play on a line for Jim Schwartz, you have to be able to rush the passer. It doesn't matter what position you're playing. Um, I just like everything about him. I also like his personality. And I think that's important too. I really liked his personality and you guys would too, if he showed up on the doorstep here. So I am all in on Javon Hargrave, but he's going to cost like $20 million a year. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think it would be hard to pull it off. I fully endorse adding good players who are also veterans and, and leaders. And I'm a hundred percent on board with, with anybody uh, that checks those boxes. Ashley, is there somebody out there that, that you like for this team? And look, I mean, you know, like Mary Kay said, Javon Hargrave might cost $20 million. Yeah. I'm not really worried about the money right now. This is just, this is pipe dream guy that, that you would love to have on the Browns. Well, Javon Hargrave was going to be mine, but for the sake of conversation, because I think Mary Kay laid all the other reasons out there. I'm, well, I'm on the record as thinking defensive tackle is like my number one, my personal number one priority this offseason. But for the sake of conversation, let's go with the other guy who, if he hits the market, is going to be probably the top guy at his position. Let's go with Jesse Bates from Cincinnati. And I know Mary Kay did some reporting on that this weekend that he would love to play with Deshaun Watson. I think that's key. I think he's so good, you know, his targets, which I know you wrote about, I think 30 targets, only 15 catches. That was in the top of the league among safeties. He, given his style, I think he'd play really nice alongside Grant Delpit would work well in a Jim short scheme from what we know about that. Um, Again, will they get him? I don't know. It's, you know, I think tougher, you know, for guys too to come from one team in a division to another, you don't see that too often, at least in this division. Um, But I I think if you can get him, he's a guy again, like Javon Hargrave, that would be worth the high price tag. And you kind of figure out the money situation later. Yeah. He, he just sort of fits like, he's just the, the, like the right guy. It seems like a perfect fit. um, If the Browns could figure out, how to free up that money and, and still kind of do the things they needed to do. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, someone that I know is a Mary Kay Cabot favorite here. Uh, I'm going to go with a defensive end. And it's somebody that Lance and I talk, or you're going to hear us talk about a little bit in the next segment as well. And that is Yannick Ngakwe. Mary Kay, I know that he's a guy that you've pointed out on, on these podcasts before as like, now this is a guy that he's still young. It feels like he should be about 35, but he's, I think he's, I think he turns 28 at the end of the month. Um, he's played for a bunch of teams and just everywhere he goes, he produces. That's, that's what you want in a veteran edge rusher to, to put across from Miles Garrett. Yeah, I think so. I, I really like him a lot. I don't know for sure if he is, uh, I know he's on the radar. I don't know if he's somebody that they're going to go after right away. Whereas I think with Jesse Bates, I think they're going to pounce on Jesse Bates. I think they'll, at least try to toss their hat into the ring uh, for Javon Hargrave right away. Uh, Yannick Nagakawe on the radar. And one of the reasons why I believe he is on the radar radar, or know he is on the radar. uh, They really liked him a couple of years ago. They really wanted to sign him and he wanted to come here. Uh, But things kind of got a little wonky. He was in the midst of an agent change and it just sort of fell through the cracks. But everywhere he goes, 
he produces sacks. Now, he's a situational pass rusher. He's not necessarily going to set the edge for you. He's no Jadavian Clowney when it comes to setting the edge. Jadavian was really good at that. Um, Yannick Nagakawe is mostly going to go forward and get to the quarterback. But that's what Jim Schwartz likes. Jim Schwartz likes someone uh, that's just going to go forward and get that sack for you and disrupt that passing game, disrupt that quarterback. So, yeah, he's somebody that I would seriously uh, consider signing to get those eight, nine sacks that you need. He had nine and a half last year, quiet nine and a half sacks last year for the Colts. But, you know, he's never had less than eight. So, um, and then the year before that, he had 10. So 19 and a half sacks in his last two seasons. I think that's meaningful. I think it's what they need. I think it's what Miles needs. And, you know, when you start to, you know, put some of these pieces together, then you can see how a team like the Eagles ends up with four players in double-digit sacks. It's what the Browns need to do. Uh, They only had 34 last year tied for 27th or either 27th all alone or tied for 27th in the NFL. That's not enough. That's less than half what the Eagles had. They need to boost that number. It's interesting that you mentioned that the Browns did have that interest in him a few years ago, too, because we all remember with Jadavion Clowney, like Andrew Barry sort of had this obsession with Jadavion Clowney, right? They, they wanted to sign him before they did. And then um, it was a Tack McKinley that Tack. they put in like a bunch of like waiver claims and they never got him. Yep. And then they ended up when he hit the market, they were able to get Tech. So Andrew, Ashley, Andrew is relentless. He does not forget if he wants to bring somebody in, uh, he remembers and, and he stays aggressive. I mean, yeah, we talk about Andrew all the time with that 2017 draft, right? And the guys he was obsessed with in that draft. And, of course, David Njoku um, being a guy that he's long been a fan of, who they did everything they could to keep here, even you know through the tough times and through David possibly wanting to be traded or being unhappy and giving him the extension when they did. Um, I think that you really see Andrew kind of latch on to these certain guys throughout his career throughout the earlier years of his career, especially. And if there was something he liked about him and thinks it's still there, he's not afraid to to go get him from that past history. Okay, uh, we're going to hand things over here to Lance Reisland after the break. He'll give us his top five free agents uh, and his honorable mentions as well. The theme of this podcast when we talk free agency is defensive line and safety. That's uh, that's what you're going to hear a lot of as, as we go into that next segment here of free agency. Uh, so that's coming up on the other. Okay. And Ashley, I will talk to both of you later. All right. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And I'm happy to welcome back to the podcast, Lance Reisland. Lance, it's been a while. How are you? Very good, Dan. How are you? Good to talk to you, my friend. I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to do your top five free agents. I'm going to see if you got some honorable mentions in there, too, uh, maybe at the end. But let's just start. Let's go five to one. Uh, who do you have well, as number five for the Browns? Well, no, number five for me is Jesse Bates. Uh, you know, I think he's a great player. Um, obviously, he's productive. He's got 479 career tackles. He's got 14 interceptions. Uh, he kind of fits that bill and that Schwartz. Everything I'm thinking about defensively in terms of Safety-wise, would be that one high-hat safety. He's going to play man coverage. He's going to have to play the ma- uh, that patch Mattern cover three. Uh, those guys are famous for. Um, he's a leader. He's a great tackler, which the Browns need back there. Um, obviously, I, I'm going to work my way down to what I think is most important. A lot of people have Jesse Bates as one. I think he's important. 
Um, but at his price, I don't think he's the most important piece, I think. But I th- obviously, I think he's a great player and, and would be a great pickup in terms of what Schwartz runs defensively. How much of a of a like need fit is this? Like if the Browns don't get Jesse Bates, what do you think they do at, the, at that free safety spot? Um, obviously, I guess they could go get somebody else, but just, you know, if they didn't address that in free agency. Well, you know, I think what he does, he gives you he gives you a lot of scheme uh, diversity. So he can play two high hats, one high hat. So he can he can just go to about anybody in the NFL. There's a number of guys who meet that standard of being able to play that sideline to side sideline, long rangy free safeties uh, who can cover. They can cover tight ends. They can play in the slot a little bit. They can play down in the box. Um, I still think Delpit is going to thrive. I've heard people say he's going to play the free safety. I think Delpit thrives down in the box this year. I think Delpit has some of the most improvement that of any of their defenders this year because I think he'll always be down in the box. Um, there's some guys out there that can definitely fit that mold in terms of rangy guys, maybe not big numbers, uh, fit the number uh, price-wise as well, uh, that can play that free safety. I think they need a voice and a guy who can run sideline to sideline and, and help help defensively for sure. I, I do want to follow up on on one piece of that though, because uh, you know when the Browns did hire Jim Schwartz, you came on here and Grant Delpit was the guy that you pointed out as a guy who could thrive as that in the box safety. If they did decide to move him to free safety, do you think that's something he could handle? Yeah, I do. I think because he's he he seems to have you know when you're in a Schwartz defense, the thing I always try to, the the simple the simplest way to explain his defense is guys are going to be aligned and play fast. And no matter what level of football you have, he's a true believer in that if, you're, if your brain is thinking your feet aren't working, which is one of my – me and my father's all – I completely agree with that. So it's not super hard. Besides that, that pattern match cover three, it's not real hard. He's going to line up. He's going he's gonna to call the strength. Uh, he's going to get lined up if they're in cover one. He's going to play center field behind. He's going to run down in the alley and tackle. So, yeah, I think he can be successful at that as well. Um, it's not a super – Schwartz is going to find matchups. He's going to thrive on those matchups. He's going to allow his guys to get lined up quickly. You're not going to see these guys scrambling against formations. Very simple lineups. They're going to get down. They're going to get set, and they're going to get off the ball, and they're going to be really good at it. All right, let's move up the list here. Who do you have at number four? This is a tough one for me. I have two receivers I really like. I'll give you one honorable mention later, but I like Paris Campbell. Uh, he had a big year this year, 63 receptions, 623 yards. He fits the bill what I think Deshaun Watson needs. He's a twitchy, sudden guy. He's an elite speed guy. Uh, he's a guy who can play in the slot. He can run those uh, RPO stuff. He can run the jet sweeps. He can run the option routes, the under routes. He can do all that, uh, the quick screens. Uh, the thing I think the Browns need is they need easy yards. Every drive they have seems so hard. It's so hard to get first downs, and they have these long. They need plays where they pitch it out there, and a guy gets 12 for them. doesn't always have to be a home run, but just guys who can get easy yards. Watson pitches it out there. Uh, he's a guy who, if he stays healthy, now he's had foot injuries, knee injuries, he's had a concussion, so he's got to stay healthy. He's young, he's only 25 years old, and he's an elite speed guy, and I think he'd be a perfect fit in the slot for the Browns. Yeah, I saw a tweet earlier this week that the Browns, um, and it, you know, it was play callers and creating yards after the catch. I think it was EPA per play, and the, Brown, the Browns were down there. They were low, and they just don't have guys <laughs> – that can really like thrive. Like, I mean, obviously Amari is a great downfield receiver and can do a lot of things. Donovan was, was a really good contested catch guy, but they just, I'm with you. They need somebody who's just fast, who can play in multiple positions and you put the football in his hands and, and he can do some stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and I always laugh cause you're going to get those big plays, but I will tell you as a play caller uh, for a long time, there is nothing better than coming up second and three. 
third and one. That's how you create big plays because third one, you can take a shot or second one, you can take a shot. And that doesn't always mean that, he, uh, you know, you pitch it out there, you run an RPO, um, you get the safety down the box, the safety blitz, uh, blitzes, you pitch it out to uh, Campbell. He doesn't get a home run, but he gets eight. So all of a sudden now you're second and two. Now all of a sudden this, this part of the place, uh, place uh, script that uh, Stefanski has, it all opens up. He can run whatever home run plays he'd worked on against that coverage, against that team that week, whatever weakness they have, whatever matchup they have. He give you that second and two. Um, the Browns are consistently second six, second seven, which is staying above the sticks, but then you have to continue to stay on the sticks. You have to continue to run the ball and get to sec- third and three then. And they just need easy yards. Everything is so hard for them. Um, they just need it to you know get a big play once in a while, not have these 12-play drives, and just get a big play once in a while. I want to hear your honorable mention wide receiver here before we move forward. Uh, my, my honorable mention is a hard, Hardman, McCall Hardman. From, uh, I uh, thought that's where you were going to go. <laughs> for, for the Chiefs, same, same body type, same, um, same skill set, jet sweeps, RPOs, um, guy in space, quick screens, those crossing routes versus man coverage, uh, scramble drill with Watson. You know, people, um, I heard you guys, you and Mary Kay and Ashley, and, and, you know, it's so true in terms of new stuff for Watson. One of the things that's really big for their receiving core is scramble drill. They're going to have to work scramble drill now with Watson because that's a guy who a lot of his plays come with that. So guys like Hardman, Campbell, great on scramble drills. They can run the jet sweeps. They can do the gadget stuff. Um, as you said earlier, just guys who can get in space and go. Okay, so I, I have to admit something. I, I've never been like a huge Cole Hardman fan, and I don't know what it is. It, it, Maybe I've always just expected more out of him in that Kansas City offense. Um, I, I know that there's there's been some times when he hasn't been on the field. Um, so I I don't know what it, there's something about McCole Hardman that makes me nervous. But obviously you don't. Obviously when you watch him, you really like him. Yeah, and, and when I was looking for receivers, I am thinking I'm thinking DPJ is going to continue to pr- uh, progress and be a deep threat. Obviously Mar- Amari does what he does. They need a guy in the slot that can run those overs, unders, digs, all those things we talked about. Uh, I just think he's a guy in space. My sole purpose watching film uh, of those possible guys is guys in space, when they touch it, can they do something with it? Doesn't have to be a perfect route. Doesn't have to be a perfect throw. Doesn't have to be, you know, so many times you watch a Browns game and all 11 guys have to do it right. If you watch Kansas City, you watch these elite teams, that's not always the case. It's a great quarterback getting into a skill guy and they make a big play. You know, how many times do with Kelsey and those guys? So it's just a matter. I just think he's I think he's dynamic in space. All the concerns you have, I, I would say, are, are, are warranted. But those two guys in space are my favorite for sure. And, and I should clarify, clarify, he's really only had the, the injury issues that he only he played eight games in 2022. He's, he's been on the field for those other games. I, what I meant when I said that was it just feels like in that Kansas City offense, sometimes I, I don't. He hasn't been at the level of some other receivers in that offense. I when well, I I'll tell you what, one thing I've never agree, been like blown away by him. Yeah, you know what I tell you what too is when you watch him is that you'll see him run a jet sweep, make three guys miss, and get twelve just like that. And you're like, why doesn't he do that more often? And then you kind of go with, well, that's what the Chiefs do. They get the ball, they spread the ball around. But there are times that he, I, for me, and probably for you as well, he's like frustrating because like he when he does touch the ball at times, he's absolutely dynamic. And you're wondering why he's not – I mean, there's times you watch him and he's very Tyreek Hill-like. And then there's other times you watch him, he's just not even – he's not. he goes down very easy and he's – so it, it, he does – you know, both of them, those guys are smaller and um, that kind of stuff. But that would be um, – he can be frustrating because he doesn't do it all the time, I guess. 
Okay, let's keep moving down the list here. Number three on your... Well, uh, I move into what I think is the most important thing. I've been saying it for over a year and a half with you as a defensive line. So I got Ngakwe. Um, I think he's the... uh, I think he's a guy... um, He's position flexible, which is going to be very important with this. You know, people have asked me, um, you know, with Woods being gone and Schwartz being in, are they going to have different type of defensive linemen now? They will, but I will tell you, regardless of scheme, they have to be able to take on double teams and they have to be able to hold up in the NFL. And I've heard so many people say we're going to do different things. I am a true believer in that you have to run the ball and you have to stop the run. And it doesn't mean all the time, but at some point in the season, you have to be able to stop the run. And the Browns, I, I did not believe the Browns could do it all going into the season. And it came, they, they just couldn't stop the run. The guys were just undersized. So these guys I picked are kind of guys who are tweeners. Uh, they can play a little bit inside. They got enough girth to play inside. They're very active on the outside. Uh, these guys all had really solid PFF grades in terms of pass rush grade and um, ability to stand up against the run. Uh, I think he's a wide body. He uses his hands very well. He had nine, nine and a half sacks last year. Uh, really good hands. Uh, does a great job getting rid of, uh, uh, of blockers. I just think he'd be a great fit. He can play at the end. He can play next to Miles. He'd be a great fit. I don't think you're getting an argument from me. You're not going to get an argument from Mary Kay on this one. I, I can tell you that. And Gakwe is, is a guy that, you know, it's he's one of those guys that it's surprising when you realize that he's 27 years old. He's going to turn 28 at the end of the month like that you don't expect him to still be that young because he's been around for so long and he's played for a number of different teams but the guy has just you look through his his game logs whatever his there's there hasn't been a year when he hasn't produced you know and i'm in terms of excuse me i always believe in those guys in the nfl those defensive linemen i think you need to find help with free agency more than the skill you know, it's just like when you go to college, you know, when college guys go, unless you're, uh, if you're a lineman, you're 18 years old, those senior linemen are 23 years old. Just like same thing when you go to the pro, those young linemen are 22, 23 years old. These guys who are 26, 27, 28 years old, now they're in their prime in terms of being able to play at the NFL level. And you're right, he never has, and rarely, I'll be honest with you, he doesn't have many uh, 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 clips on film that he's taken to play off. Uh, he's very good at all aspects of the game against the run. Those guys who play for multiple teams, that means they're multiple. They can play multiple positions. They they can take on doubles. They can be one gap guys. They have different D line coaches. That all plays into it, and I think he's fantastic. Okay, let's move up now to number two. Well, the next guy I went with is Dalvin Tomlinson from uh, Vikings. I think he's a, he's a big guy. He's six three. He's three twenty five, and I try to do some homework on him because early on, I when I first picked my guys for free agents, it was back when the Browns were going to be in the non-Schwartz defense. And then I went to Dalvin Thompson, and my first initial breakdown, my first initial write-up on him was, he's a big guy, doesn't rush the passer very well. Well, he is. This year he uh, graded out at 77.1 in his uh, pass rush grade, uh, PFF pass rush grade, which is the best he's ever had in his career. Then you pop him on film, again, very scheme. Uh, he can play multiple schemes. He can play inside. Now he's going to stay inside. But, again, I still think the Browns need, regardless of scheme, I still think they need some big, big bodies in there um, with the idea that they can rush the passer a little bit. So I did a series of uh, one free agent from every team that the Browns could target, and Tomlinson was the guy that I picked for the Vikings. I, I just He feels like a guy that if you could get him in the middle of that line, that's a just an enormous upgrade for this team. 
Well, you know what he does too? He's like a grunt to me. Like we used to, when I was coaching a guy who not always, not all the time. That's why sometimes the, the people who give grades and stuff, some guys have an impact that's not measurable. And he's a guy, when you watch him on film, he's very impactful. He takes on blockers. Uh, he's a grunt in there. He never gets moved. He can pass rush if needed. He can do the things you need to do. So he's, he's invaluable. Um, and a, another guy, not a lot of bad tape. He just, he just plays. He's very consistent. His hands are very good. Uh, just a really good player. All right. Number one, who is it? I think without question, it, well, it was my number one guy without question was, um, I had one and one, eight was, uh, pain, um, until he got franchised. And then my second was a uh, Hardgrave, a uh, Hardgrave from the Eagles. I think Javon Hardgrave is just a fantastic player. Um, couple things I went back. He had a 92.2 pass rush grade this year, which only, uh, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones were better, which I didn't realize it was that good. Um, back when he was with the Steelers, he was one of the most outstanding run block, uh, taking down the run and double teams, uh, that I watched. I actually went back and watched some old, uh, some old tapes of him. He is so position flexible. He can play against double teams. He can blow gaps. He can play on the edge. Um, you know, he's, he's at six, two, six, three, 310, five, you know, to five ten. So he's very versatile. He's big enough. Uh, again, he uses his quickness. So he actually, in my opinion, plays heavier than 310. Uh, because he gets his hands on that offensive lineman quick. Um, extremely, extremely versatile. Um, like Payne, I think he's a guy that you, uh, you know, I, once again, we were talking earlier, I don't really know how all the money works, uh, but he's a guy that I think would be an incredible pickup for the Browns. One of the things that I think is important too, when we talk about a guy like Ngakwe, we talk about a guy like Hargrave, these guys are veterans, you know, especially Hargrave. You know, he's a veteran who's been on teams that have won he, he kind of he knows what it takes. Um, you know, obviously he was on a team that that went to the Super Bowl this last year. So I, I just I love the idea of adding a real veteran to that room. I, th- I think that's something that they've been missing in that defensive line room. Uh, you know, Clowney Clowney was a veteran, but he's not like that leader type of guy. I think adding a leader, adding a real leader, a real veteran to that room would be huge, along with the production on the field. Well, yeah, and you're going to get a guy who can – when you play in those different schemes, so he's playing in Philadelphia where they're in a weird five-man front. They do all kinds of different stuff. You know, he plays with these different teams, these teams that do different things. So he can he can actually help coach up some of these young guys on the field because some of the most invaluable lessons you're going to get are from guys who are in the trenches. You know, everybody has an idea, but when those guys who are playing in the trenches, so he can help out, he can play the end, he can play inside. He's only going to help guys um, understand blocking schemes, you know, what is zone? So when you're seeing zone, what are you looking for? What are the steps? Where are their hands go? Th- those guys who know that inside uh, are, are invaluable. And the only way you get that is by playing. So you get those guys who are good leaders, and then they're also going to have high production. So I do, without question, him and Payne were my top guys. Um, I actually uh, would go all – I have no problems attacking all defensive linemen. I, th- I just think that position was so scary to me. And then you see it play out. And I just think they really need to improve there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, look, you can add somebody in the draft. You can add guys in that draft process. But you really want to have somebody that you can basically write in pen. Like, this is what this player can give me. Um, and we saw it last year with you know, Alex Wright, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, those guys just weren't ready. And, and I don't know if those guys are going to develop fast enough to be able to contribute this year to the level they need to. So, you know, just go get a guy that you know he can just step in and do it. It's an, and it's and it's all experience. So when you say that to me, that it goes back to college to the NFL. So 
you know, he's a guy who's seen every blocking scheme, how they do it. You know, when you're, so you're talking leadership, you're talking in the film room and all of a sudden they're seeing a team like the Browns, you know, they're facing the Browns. All right. They run some gap schemes in zone. What does Wyatt Teller do on his zone steps? What is, what does Joe Bentonio do when they're running gap? What is he looking for? How, where's their first step? Where do their hands go? All that stuff is vital inside for those guys. And you're right. And I think when you get to that 27 to 32 kind of range as a defensive lineman, you're physically mature. You're about as strong as you're going to get uh, in terms of weight room stuff, uh, leverage, all the things that you work on, how to take on blocks, how to take on doubles. You just learn all that, and, it, and it's invaluable. So I, I agree with you completely. Okay, we got your honorable mention in Hardman. Who else did you have on your honorable mention list? Really liked Marcus Davenport from the Saints. Really liked his length. Uh, what I liked about him is his pass rush was 81 you know, he had an 81% grade in in the pass rush, which I th- didn't think he was. And I love his size. He's like 6'5", 270, 280 range. So again, that was a that was a post-Schwartz kind of uh, breakdown in terms of he can play that wide three inside. Uh, he can move out in certain fronts if you want him to. Uh, got great feet. I love his hands. Uh, he sets the edge very well. So he's played inside and out. Um, pass rushdowns. The idea of him being in that wide three next to Garrett is is, is pretty scary. And I love the fact, I don't care what anybody says, I, I still think what he brings is that heavy weight. He's 280. So even in a nickel down, he's going to be a guy who can hold up in there uh, uh, against double teams if a team decides to run. They need to stay big inside at, at all times. I also, um, another guy that I kind of had my eyes on, when I, again, when I was going through that series, um, Arden Key was a guy that yeah. I really liked from Jacksonville. I don't know if he made your list at all. Uh, but he's one kind of one of those versatile D linemen uh, that that I kind of like to to bring in here. I actually liked him when he was in in free agency the last time too. So I, I think he'd be interesting. Uh, who else did did you have anybody else? You, got, you know, I got you know got defensive line guys. I love Darden Key. He was actually my next. He's actually after Ngakwe. Okay. Um, then I have uh, Dwayne Smoot. I think is another guy. Again, a guy post Schwartz. He's a guy who's six three two seventy. Play inside outside heavy hands. Uh, I love Morgan Fox with the Chargers. Now that's a guy, he's 6'3", 280. He plays at 300 at times, so he's 275 to 300. Another guy, great first step, gets off the ball, gets into the guard. So the guys besides the ultimate guy are the guys who can are versatile, the guys who can play inside and outside but are still big enough to hold up in there if they're in a base defense. Um, because remember whatever, you know, remember on first down, they're going to be in a, a three, a two-eye, a five, and a nine, and they need to hold up against double teams. So – those guys, I love Smoot. Smoot's real nasty. He plays at a high level. Um, Morgan Fox was kind of a guy. I was looking for a guy who's going to be, you know, I think affordable, and, and but plays at a high level, and I think he's a guy that can do that uh, defensive line. Uh, my other guy, uh, my other mention guy was a safety was Amos from the uh, Green Bay. I thought I think he's a great leader. He plays with great energy, and he's absolutely probably top three physical guys. Uh, in the NFL who can tackle. And we we watched last year, the Browns secondary has got to tackle a little bit better. So I had an honorable mention safety too. Um, and, and I don't know how, if, if you've done any work on this guy or not, but um, Juan Thornhill is a guy that um, I know a lot of people liked in the draft process when he was coming out, got his opportunity in Kansas City finally. Um, I, I wonder if he'd end up being, I don't know what he's going to cost uh, on once if he hits the market, but I wonder if he'd end up being a guy that, if you're not going to, you know, wade into the Jesse Bates end of the pool, could you get a guy like a Juan Thornhill or another name? And Browns fans know this name uh, very well. Jordan Poyer, 
could be a free mm-hmm. agent too. I don't know if he'd want to come to come back to Cleveland. I think I heard him do an interview that said he, if he's going to leave Buffalo, he'd like to go someplace warm with uh, no state tax. Maybe uh, <laughs> Cleveland does not check either of those boxes, yeah. but you know, money talks. So, you know, he'd be an interesting guy too. Yeah. Thornhill was in my top five. He was four. I had Thornhill at four. Uh, Bates at one. I had Amos at second. Uh, I really like Tyler Rapp from the rounds. Uh, I mean, from the Rams. Uh, again, a guy who can play. My whole thought was the guy who's going to play in the free safety, but can also get down in the box. And then a guy who's really, really underrated in my in my opinion, who could come because they're clean house is uh, Jonathan Owens from the um, from the Texans. Uh, super physical, 5'11", 209. He's twenty seven years old. Uh, he'll come at a good price. He's super. Him and Rap. Uh, Thornhill, those guys are all really good on film for what the Browns are going to do defensively. Really like those guys. Okay, did we did we forget anybody? Were there any, any other names you you want to throw out there here before we go? No, you know it's I th- you know I've been listening to you guys. I think you know everybody's on board with like the you know the Hardgrave and the Bates. Um, you know, I just think I hope they they have a plan in terms of what they're going to do free agent wise. And for me, I I, I always thought. You know, drafting young skill guys, those guys can make it. If they're athletic, they're athletic. Those big guys, like you said, with the the young guys last year, they need some seasoning. So it would be nice to – those Browns can get some big guys in there. You know, you know, Sheldon Rankins is another name that pops into my head. You know, guys who just have been around, uh, can take on double teams. They can pass rush a little bit. They're not, they're not super – they're maybe at the end of their career a little bit. They'll come at a good price. But guys who can do a little bit of everything and hold up against the run. Because I've heard a lot of different stuff, and, you know, it's great when, you know, receivers and DB, all this is great. But if the Browns don't stop the run and they're at second and two, Miles Garrett is taken out of the game. The secondary is taken out of the game, which is arguably two of their best spots. They got to get it to second and third and long, and that starts with being physical and heavy on first down. And then they can get to those matchups, those one-on-one that Schwartz likes to do. But I don't care what level it is. You got to stop the run on first down. All right, that's Lance Riceland, his top five free agents and more here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Lance, it's great to see you again. I'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.